more than any other series I've ever preached. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, you can ask me, and I, like, I, have I ever gotten stuff wrong? Probably, but I feel like when I seek the Lord and what I'm gonna preach, I'm like, Lord, you better line it up. And you look at the verses for the year, you look at the journey that we've been on, I go, man, God is good. But this series more than any other, I feel like, man, man, do we need this. There's not one of us that doesn't. And I'm delaying, and I'm gotta, I've been told by my wife not to go extra long because she's got the kids today. That you, and, you know, we got lunch, and y'all are gonna be hungry, so, Yeah. It's me. Um, our Growing Up series, we have, over the last few weeks, been diving into this series based on our uh, verse for the year, essentially saying that we need to grow up, that we need to mature into the full likeness of that of Jesus. And we've been doing that looking at spiritual disciplines. Now, hopefully, some of you all brought your notebooks. You're going to be taking notes. You pulled out your phones to do it because we're changing culture, that we can write things down. Yes? Come on. And over the last few weeks, we, we talked about the fact that there are kind of three bracketed versions of, if you will, the disciplines. There's the inward, the outward, and the um, oh, inward, outward, and corporate. Corporate. No, they're, 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 they're kind of all upward in one sense, but that's good. Inward, outward, and corporate. The, the corporate ones that are ultimately upward as well, um, but they're corporate ones that we do. Huh? Spiritual. Yeah, I mean, they are all spiritual. They're all spiritual disciplines. Absolutely. Man, I'll get there eventually. Anyway. The inward ones we have talked about, we're gonna, talk, we're gonna start the fourth inward one today, but the inward ones, we were very open in the fact that it's about meditation, about prayer, about fasting. And today we're gonna dive into the fourth inward one, which is that of study. Now automatically some of y'all went, oh, flip. I didn't do well in school. Oh, I'm dyslexic. I don't do studying, but guess what? We're called to. We're called to do studying. And so if you're a titles person and you like your title today is Lifelong Students Part 1. We will do Part 2 next week because there's just so much in it. And also I've been talking about other stuff. So. <laughs> but we are called to study. Now for some of us, we're really excited by that. Some of us love academia. Some of us love the idea of like grabbing open a book and studying and understanding what words mean and the history of it and the link. Some of us are like, yes. I will eat that up. And other of those are going, oh no. Can somebody else study for me? Steph's not, and she loves it. So everyone's like, Steph, can you study for me? And can I just take your, your cliff notes, your cheat notes? No. It's a spiritual discipline. And again, it's a discipline that you're not gonna wake up tomorrow and be able to do, right? But if we work on these disciplines little by little, we will see that we can do these things. You can study, no matter what your issues, no matter what your love or hate for study is, you can. So there's a couple of readings that we're gonna dive into this morning um, to kind of ground us of why study is important. The first one is from Mark uh, chapter 12, 28 through 34. You'll probably recognize it. Uh, I've preached on this as a whole before. Hopefully you know it, but I feel it grounds us and starts us off in a point. And it says this. One of the teachers of the law came uh, and heard them debating. This is Jesus and other Pharisees and Sadducees and stuff like that. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them this. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I'll come back to that in a second, but the second reading for this morning is from Romans 12, one through two. And again, we've had this even as part of our verse for the year and past as we've talked about it and preached on it. But it says this. Therefore, I urge you, this is Paul writing. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just two scriptures that I think, and I could give you a whole bunch more, but just two that tell us, hey, guess what? We're called to do stuff with the gray stuff in our brains, in our heads. That brain is not just to allow us to walk into, we are called to. When we talk about the greatest commandment, we talk about loving God and loving people. We tend to summarize it that way. And we tend to think loving God, oh, Jesus, I love you, you're awesome. Loving people, well, how can I help you? How can I love you? Do you know Jesus? But actually, Jesus is very specific. And now he says how we're called to love God. And one of the ways is we're called to love God with all of our mind. That means you have to think. You have to process. You actually have to engage your gray matter in how you love God. For some of us, we're like, what? I, I, I can't just be told what to believe and just go, yes, I love you, God, because of it. I mean, I trust Adrian. He's been pretty trustworthy. And if he says it's in the Bible, it's there. And can I not just take, no. You gotta take it for yourself. We gotta love God with our minds. It doesn't say love God with your pastor's mind. It doesn't say love God with your, your spouse's mind, with your sister's mind, with your cousin's mind. It says love God with all your mind. Are you engaging your mind in how you love God? And then the second one from Romans, we're told that actually we are, our minds are renewed. Our minds are enhanced. Like we have to see change as we give ourselves to God. Two simple scriptures that prove, that show, showcase the fact that actually our minds do not stay the same. They have to change. They have to grow. We have to learn. We have to study. And we have to do it so that we can love God. So right off the bat, from those readings and many, many more, there's a few things that we see. And the first thing that we see is that we're called to use our minds to love and to be renewed. Seems pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but it's true. We have to engage with that gray matter. We have to connect on the mental level with God. Loving God is not just about being in his presence and experiencing the Holy Spirit. It's not even just about memorizing scripture because some of you might be thinking, well, I've, I've engaged it. I've memorized all the word. But do you know why it's there? Do you, do you know why it is written the way it is written? Do you know what is meant by it? But it's there, Adrian. And it's, I mean, it's the word of God. I'm not gonna question the word of God. Am I? There's a difference between questioning it and understanding it. 
questioning it would be like, is it really the word of God? I don't know if I can trust it. Nah. I'll put that to the side. Understanding is going, actually, it's in there for a reason. God put it there. I believe God is who he says that he is. I believe it is real. I don't understand what... Doesn't that contradict this part of scripture? Doesn't this sound different from that one? Why is that there? Go for it. One of the biggest questions that I get from atheist friends or non-believing friends is, well, you know, how can you believe in the Bible? It contradicts itself. That actually doesn't. No, yes, it does. Look at the gospel accounts. They're all different. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They don't contradict themselves. How do they not contradict themselves? Well, let me tell you. I've studied it. Let's dive in. And some of you guys go, well, Adrian, that's for you to answer because you're the pastor. No. Do you love Jesus? Yes, hopefully. And if you do, it's for you to answer as well. So you should be able to answer why it's not a contradiction. You should be able to answer why the word of God is true and is real. And if your answer is, the Bible says so, that's not gonna fly. But why? Why is the Bible more important than other works? What about the non-biblical works? What about the historical books? What about C.S. Lewis? Does he have anything to say? Is he worth, no, not C.S. Lewis. Of course he does. What about other religious books? How can we speak into a context that we don't even understand? Well, our God is above all other gods. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll come back to that. We need to recognize that we are called to use our minds, to love and to be renewed. I'm getting excited. I'm not sure if you can tell I love to study. I love it. Now, some of you might be asking yourself, okay, fine, okay, I get it, I need to study, but what is study? What do you mean by that? Foster, in his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, defines it as this. Study is a specific kind of experience in which through careful attention to reality, the mind is enabled to move in a certain direction. I mentioned that Foster was a bit hard to read sometimes, right? So this is, we're gonna unpack it in a second, but study is a specific kind of experience in which through careful attention to reality, the mind is enabled to move in a certain direction. Essentially, through attention of what we read, of what we experience, the reality of things, our minds can be enabled to move, to change, to shift, to follow a certain understanding of what we are studying of what we're reading, of what we're taking on board. So, as an example, as a child, you are given, most of us at least in the UK, your first language book to read is in English. That's what you start reading. So, grabbing the reality of those words, grabbing the reality of the experience of the people around you speaking those words, your brain then says, okay, this is what the words sound like. This is what they mean. Tree means this. Okay, great. And in your brain, it is formed to believe a certain way. And you have learned something by studying. None of us will say that you studied English at the age of four. But you did. You studied it through reading, sounding at home. Josiah's learning how to read right now. He's got this little game, and it's all about sounds. And ka cat. Ta-a-ba-tub. Like... He's learning how to read and write. His brain is forming these sounds. If you go to another country, it's a different form of learning. In Brazil, it's Portuguese. In Ecuador, it's Spanish. It's still learning, but it's a different set of 
things, right? It's a different kind of content. It's a different, that's what study is, allowing our brains to be shaped. Okay, I've learned English. I want to learn another language. Okay, you're going to dive into something that's going to help you grab that reality, grab that content, and enable your brain to go in a new direction. Okay, this is what this word means in Spanish, in Portuguese, in Hebrew, in whatever, right? It's real simple. It's our brain picking up on new directions. Now, Foster breaks it down into two kinds of study, verbal and non-verbal books. I even described some of them as I, as I was giving some of the examples, but verbal books are straightforward books. <laughs> Any book, the Bible, encyclopedia, whatever you are reading. Nonverbal books are the things that we learn that aren't books, but we learn from. <laughs> your experience, your teachers, physical play. I love that Elora is exploring random little things. She is learning, not through a book, but through something else. No, it's a nonverbal book, if you will, that she's studying. We learn through different things. Now, I'm not going to go into the depths of both of these today. I'm going to look more of the general stuff of study. I'm going to do it very quickly as well. So get ready. You ready? It's going to be quick. Here we go. But again, we're going to come back to it next week, so don't worry. But today, we're going to be talking about how we study in general. That's going to be the bit of the focus. Next week, we're going to look at a little bit more of the, of the verbal and nonverbal books and what that looks like. But... Study requires repetition. There's four things that study requires. For us to really study something, it requires repetition. If you hear something once, if you read something once, you're not studying it. You need to read it over and over and over, hear it over and over and over again. The way we study lyrics in a song, if you just heard it once, unless you've got a great memory and a great, <laughs> you're musical, chances are you're not going to remember it. You will read the lyrics again and again. You'll hear them again and again. Same thing with scripture. The reason most of us have not memorized our verse for the year, I can promise you, is not because you're not smart, because you haven't read it again and again. Somebody said to me, actually, I have read it, but I'm rubbish that you should put it to a song. There's a challenge. Put it to a song. Let's write a song about it. So, so, so There you go. Jez, put it to a song. You just got pointed at. Sorry. That's what happens. <laughs> He's like, What? Put the verse for the, verse for the year to a song. For some of us, that'll make it easier to remember, perhaps. But, but it's going to be repetition. Even in a song form, it will be listening to it and singing it repeatedly that helps. And the thing is, this is in all practices. Like, this is something that has actually even been scientifically proven. One of the reasons that in schools we hear this repetition, you go to a school and it's repetitive. And not just for one year group, but through all year groups. You, you build on it, you repeat. Social sciences, psychologies, we talk about affirmations. You know, there, there, are, there are psychologists that will say that you need to affirm yourself and you need to hear certain affirmations in the morning. And the way they encourage you to do it is to speak them to yourself repeatedly. Same thing with Christian affirmations. Repeatedly. Repetition alone can be a part of a study. Now, repetition alone isn't going to let you really understand it or hold, but you can at least hear it, know it, memorize it perhaps. Study is not repetition alone, but it's not also just reading it over and over and over. Because study also requires concentration. Now, this is where some of us are going to struggle. Anybody in the room with ADHD tendencies <laughs> or a really busy household, children, work, business, whatever it may be. But the, the, the truth is that to study stuff, anything, we need to be able to concentrate on what we're studying as well. We need to repeat it. 
and we need to concentrate. And concentration centers the mind. It, it focuses us on what we're studying. So if you're going to study scripture, you can be reading it, you can be listening to it, you can have it in your in-ears, listening to it repeatedly. But if you're listening to scripture read to you while you're cooking, while you're distracting your children, while you're working on another assignment, you're repeating it, but you're not concentrating on it. You might be able to recite it, but actually, what does it mean? Have you concentrated? So, so you actually have to find some space and find some time. And right off the bat, many of us are going, well, Adrian, but you don't know my schedule. It's so hard. It's impossible to get even five minutes. I, I know. I know it is. But I also know I didn't say it was easy. I also know I didn't start this series by saying it's gonna be really easy disciplines. Just do it. No, I said it's gonna be hard. It's a discipline for a reason. And we live in a world of distractions. Our phones, TV, social media. We have consumeristic tendencies that take us away from concentration. We wanna consume stuff. In fact, there are so many things that the world pushes on us to try and study something fast. Don't bother studying a language properly. Just download the app, Duolingo, and you'll have it done. That's what it teaches you. That's what they sell you. Now, anybody who's done Duolingo will say it's a great app, but you still have to flip and study, and you have to concentrate, and you have to put... But what the world sells us is there's an app for that. It's easy. But there's not. You gotta take time. You gotta repeat. You gotta concentrate. Study also requires comprehension. Now, duh, right? <laughs> if you've repeated it, you've memorized it, you've known it, and you've maybe concentrated on it. But if you don't comprehend it, have you actually studied it? And I think this is where often most of us will fall short, if I'm 100% honest. And that's, that's, that's a harsh reality, but it's a, it's, a, it's a true one, I think. I think most of us will fall short because we'll find some time to concentrate on aspects of things that we want to study. And we'll find times to repeat the things that we want to study. But actually comprehending what we're going to study, what we've studied, is where we fall short. And the reason I think that is because of the issues that we see ourselves facing on a regular basis. Let me get to that in just a second. Jesus says this to, his, to those who believe him in John 8, 31, 32. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know that he doesn't say, and then the truth will set you free. It's knowing truth. Hearing it, being able to recite it, comprehending it. Which is why when we say to somebody, hey, but guess what? Jesus took the cross for you. They're not automatically set free. We can repeat it to them. They can even come to a service and concentrate on the pastor at the front of the church saying, Jesus took the cross for you. You're saved if you believe in him. But until they actually know it, comprehend it, it doesn't make sense. They haven't learned anything. And it's the same thing with us. Sometimes we call it a eureka moment, right? When you're, when you're studying something, suddenly you go, I get it, I understand. Eureka, yes, thank you. Sometimes it's that moment. Sometimes, and I, I, repeatedly, I go to Scripture, and I know others go to Scripture, and you've read, you've read something a thousand times over, and suddenly you come to it and you go, oh, I never saw that there. Is this a new version? Somebody stuck that word in there. That wasn't there before. 
But it's because at that moment we have been studying it, not just reciting it, not just concentrating on it, but actually allowing ourselves to comprehend it, and we learn something. And what I can promise you from the Word of God is that even if you think you've learned everything, there's more to learn. Promise you there is. Promise you there is. But the reason I think we fall short here is because I think as a people, and I'm not just talking about GBC, I'm talking about like humanity, but specifically Christians, I think we, 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 we fail on understanding it because we're not fully set free. One of the biggest issues that humanity has right now, and we see it greatly in the church as well, is that of identity. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. If I ask you, who are you? Most of y'all go, uh, well, what do you mean? You might give me your name. You might give me your job title. You might give me your role in your family. But who are you? Do you have identity issues? I pray for so many people on a regular basis in this place and others, from young people to like golden oldies that are literally going, oh man, I just don't have that confidence in myself. I don't have this, I don't have that. I'm like, well, that's because you don't know who you are. What do you mean, Adrian? Scripture teaches that you are a child of God, that you're made in his image, that you are woven together, that there's a plan and a purpose for your life. Scripture teaches that Jesus loves you. He hates all the stuff that you're doing bad and he hates all the the stuff that's separating you from him. He wants you to quit that, but he loves you. One of the things I, I, and I, I praise the Lord for it because I've, I've never really had an identity issue in terms of my faith. And I've often asked the question, why? But for whatever reason, the Lord gifted it to me or I just got, because from the very beginning, I was like, I'm a child of God. That is who I am. He's my dad. And I got some dad issues, but it doesn't stop the fact that he's my God. He's my, my God is my dad. And for a thousand and one things that I struggle with and, you know, we've talked about my, my gluttony and we've talked about all this, plenty of stuff I can give you, but what I think I know for a fact is I know who I am. And I know that he's created me for a plan and a purpose. I don't know all the details of the plan and the purpose, but I know that I, that I am his. You know how I know that? In part, faith, sure, but in big part, I study the scriptures. When you study God's word, And it tells you clearly, you are his child. You're his beloved. You are his. There's nothing that can separate you from him. Like scripture teaches it. But have I studied it? Probably, no, I've heard it repeated from the front. I've read it a thousand times. I've even concentrated on it. I've never really fully comprehended it. Because if I don't comprehend it, then I have an issue with it. If I don't comprehend it, I struggle with it. If I don't comprehend it, when the enemy comes and starts telling me, hey, you're not a child of God, you're worthless. You are a piece of rubbish. Who would care about you? You are so bad. You're failing at everything that you've ever done. Call yourself a pastor, Adrian? You don't pastor nobody. You think you can preach? Try it. Come on, Adrian, you're nothing. When the enemy comes for me, and he has, and he will again, I can openly say, hey, you know what? You can come at me in so many different ways, mate, but that's not one of them, because I know who I am. I comprehend it. I think that's where we fall short. It's our comprehension. If we genuinely believe that God is who he says that he is, and we genuinely believe that his word is true, righteous, we genuinely believe what his word teaches, 
And he's poured out a spirit for you and for me that he's living in us. Then flip it, heck. I mean, we should have revival right now. In that comprehension, we should be like, woo, come on, Lord. I think this is where we fall short. And by the silence, I think you agree. Because you know the things I've just said. Perhaps you've not studied them, comprehended them, understood why they're there. Hmm. Comprehension, lack of comprehension, I think also sometimes brings a, a, a misinterpretation of scriptures. One of the most popular scriptures that we love to recite when we've heard it all other places, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And we hear that and we go, yes, Lord. Come on, Lord. That's exciting. That's amazing. Yes, Lord. But when you've studied the scripture and when you see what context he's spoken those words into, when, when you read and study it and recognize that by prosper, he doesn't mean he's gonna give you every desire of your heart, every boat, every car, every bank account filled to the brim. When you read the context and the fact that actually it was, it was a broken, devastated, people were desperate. And then to that, God says, hey, don't worry, I got you. The reassurance wasn't, I know you're struggling a little bit, but don't worry, I will prosper you. When you study, you go, okay, it's still just as valuable, still just as amazing a scripture as perhaps you've been taking it, but the interpretation of what you've been taking is not what was meant. <laughs> and that happens worldwide. I've, I've talked about it before, prosperity gospel, scriptures being split left, right, and center. Identity, sexuality, you name it. Our comprehension is what's key as we concentrate on it, as we repeat it, we need to comprehend it. But perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself. Perhaps, perhaps you do comprehend stuff. Maybe you comprehend more than you think. Maybe certain aspects of the scripture you comprehend, others you may not, I don't know. Perhaps we just don't get the significance of what we comprehend. And that requires the fourth one, which is reflection. So as we've repeated, as we've concentrated, as we've come to comprehend what we've been studying, we then need to reflect on it. We need to then reflect, okay, well, I understand it now. So what does this mean for my life? And this is an all study, not just study of scripture. Like this is any book you open up and read, right? If you understand a book, philosophy, fiction, nonfiction, whatever, there's gonna be some stuff that you can study from it. I'm gonna read a, a bit from Foster's book. If you've got this version of the book, it's page 82, but I know some of you guys have older and newer editions and that kind of stuff, but he says this, and I, th I think it's just amazing. One further step is needed, reflection. Although comprehension defines what we are studying, reflection defines the significance of what we are studying. To reflect, to ruminate on the events of our time leads us to 
the inner reality of those events. Reflection brings us to see things from God's perspective. In reflection, we come to understand not only our subject matter, but ourselves. Jesus speaks often of ears that do not hear and eyes that do not see. When we ponder the meaning of what we study, we come to hear and see in a new way. Our study requires reflection. When we have a comprehension, when we get how, like this is, this is, this is why it's big, right? When we, when we study, hey, you are a child of God, right? Let's just go there. Simple concept, perhaps. As we repeat it, as we concentrate it, as we study it, as we comprehend it, the significance should affect how we live our day to day. But that significance only comes as we reflect on it. If I reflect on that reality, and this is where, again, the enemy can come at me. I've, I've reflected on it. I'm there. I'm a child of God because the significance of that has landed in me. But for those of us who struggle with that, if I say to you, you're a child of God, like that's who you are. You're made in his image. You are his. But then you're still struggling with identity issues. Actually, you've not really let that weight, that significance of that scripture you, you, you might comprehend it, but it's not significant enough. And don't get me wrong, the enemy is going to attack, right? We're going to have those moments. The world will lie to you. The world will tell you that you're worthless. <laughs> but when we get it, the significance of what we've studied, that changes us. That changes our brain. Like, you can tell me anything you want. You can insult me in any form of identity. I know exactly who I am. Genuinely, bring it. You ain't gonna bring me down. Your words will literally, so, so childish, they'll bounce off me and stick on you because I'm rubber and you're glue. <laughs> but that's what it feels like, yo. Like, you can say what you want to me about my identity. Guess what? Now, there's plenty of other things that you can say to me and will affect me because I'm still studying. I'm not perfect. But the child of God bit, I got that one. That's why I use that as an example. That's, I can stand on that, right? And you'll have others. And that comes from repetition. Repetition. One of the, one of the things that I am, um, we're coming into land. We're coming into land. In fact, well, no, not yet. Um, I was about to say, Willie can come up with a band, but not yet. I'm going to need one more. My wife's gonna kill me already anyway, so it's fine. Uh, one of the things that, another thing that you'll continually, repeatedly hear me say, one of the verses that is a verse for me that, that was spoken over me when um, I had to move to this country, and for those of you who don't know this story, I didn't wanna move, and that's a whole other thing, and I can tell you later, but I moved over here kind of kicking and screaming, really arguing with God. And um, the verse that was spoken over me was Joshua 1.9, and I was actually given a keychain. I'd love to tell you I had it, but I rubbed it raw, like there was nothing on it anymore. It was a random piece of metal that made no sense. That's how much I rubbed it. It was in my, in my hand so much that I rubbed it. But it was Joshua 1.9, and it says, Have I not commanded you? Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you are. Some of you may have actually even heard me speak that over you and share that with you. And I openly say... It's a scripture that comes to me often. But that's another thing that I've learned as I've studied. As I studied, well, what, what's going on there? Joshua's about to take over. Moses is dead. 
he's passed on and, and God says, hey, guess what? You're taking the reins. And he's like, no way, that's not me. I'm not ready for that. I can't do it. And he's, he, God says, hold on, I haven't, I haven't asked you to be strong and courageous. I'm commanding you to be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed because I'm with you, God says. And so one of the things that I will have my entire life of, as a Christian and especially in ministry that I've held on to is that God is with me. And even in discouraging moments where I'm like, man, that did not go as I planned, God says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Oh, yep, sorry, Lord, yep, you're right. Come on, bring it. When the enemy tries to use things that haven't gone the way I thought where they were meant to go, but they went exactly how God wanted them to. When the enemy tries to use that, I can stand in that because I studied it, I understand it, I comprehend it, and the significance has changed my mind, has changed me, because God is with me. And there's nothing that you can say that ever make me think that God's not with me. <laughs> there's nothing you can say. Nothing you can do that will make me think that I'm not called to be strong and courageous, that the Lord is with me. Bring it, I'm ready for a fight. That's some of my story. You might have other verses that you've studied, that you've internalized, that God has spoken to you through. But you know what's really key in all of this, and, and we started even this with, with the Asbury thing. <laughs> Study requires humility. Oh, that's a gut punch for some of us. Study requires humility. No matter what we come to study, we cannot walk into it going, I've, I know enough. What can I learn from this? What, what can I learn from this book? Not the Bible. I don't even know the guy, he's, 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 is he alive, is he dead? I don't, what can I learn from this? Actually, let's humble ourselves. What could you learn from this? What could you learn from the history of the church? The book upon book upon book of it. What could you learn from somebody else? We humble ourselves. Band, you can come up. Band, you can come up. This is it, this is the moment of like, yes, he's finishing. We humble ourselves when we say, what can we learn from the scriptures? How many of us come to scriptures that we've read a thousand times over? Oh, here we go. Easter, I know what he's gonna read. Christmas, oh, no, he's born? Really? Never saw that coming, Adrian. How often do we approach it with such a lack of humility that we don't say, God, what else do you wanna teach me this time? Some of us read Scripture on a regular basis. Some of us have probably read scriptures, the whole, the entirety of scriptures several times. And I love that some people have to glow on it. I've read from front to back 115 times, Adrian. I have, yep. That's not my story for the record, that's not me. Before you get excited. I'm like, great, awesome. Have you studied it 115 times? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, every time I read it, I've studied all of it. Oh, so there's nothing you can learn? No, no, I know script. Test me, agent, test me. What do you want to know? Have a cook? I'll tell you, I'll recite it for you. But have you studied it? <coughs> How has God changed your mind? What else is he teaching you right now? Humble yourself as you come to the scriptures. Humble yourself as you come into a conversation with somebody else. I never sit down with any of y'all thinking, I'm the pastor, I know more than y'all. Some of y'all sit down with me thinking, he's the pastor, he knows more than me. 
but I don't, don't do that. Mm, Linda's one of them, I love her. She's like, whatever, whatever, Pastor Adrian, you're the pastor. No, 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 no. I'm gonna learn from y'all. Y'all are gonna learn from me. We gotta humble ourselves. As our nonverbal books teach us something as well. We're gonna keep on going study next week. I hope and pray that God's doing something in you. It requires humility. Study is essential to growth. This is where we end, and this is where we'll pick up next week. Because study is essential to growth. So, so what is God asking you to study? What aspects of that study are you not doing? That God's saying right now, you know what, you've repeated it. Maybe you've concentrated on it. But actually, you really need to grow in, in the comprehension of it. Maybe it's all of them. You just need to humble yourself as you come back into it. Maybe he's wanting you to reflect. What is God saying to you now? And it's okay if you're right at the beginning going, you know what, I haven't studied any of it. I did my Bible reading, but that was a nice devotion, and the Lord encouraged me, but I couldn't tell you what scripture it was. I haven't learned any of it. I don't understand the, 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 how, why is the, how many books in the Bible? What is it? You keep on calling it, people call it a library. What is that about? Maybe you need to study that. Why, why are they in that order? Are they in chronological order? No, just in case you're asking, they're not. But <laughs> why are they in the order that they're in? Study it. Why is that word there? Study it. What have others learned from that? Study it. Because if we want to grow up, we got to study. One of the reasons I've been big on saying, hey, bring a notebook, write some stuff down, is because if we want to grow up, we have to study. And one of the ways we study is by writing things down. When you, when, you, when you go read your Bible for devotion, you don't necessarily need to take a pen and paper to it. You might want to, because God might reveal something to you you want to write it down. But you can just go and sit with him and meditate. And, but when you go to study, you better have some pen and paper. And you better have your concordance. And you better have Google, because I know not everybody has a commentary, so Google yourself a commentary. And you better be willing to invest some time to study. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're an awesome God. We thank you that by your spirit you are with us, Lord. And I, and I pray, Lord, that, that, that by your spirit, Lord, you would highlight in us right now the aspects of our own personal study lives that need work. Lord, if we need to humble ourselves, Lord, would you help us just drop to our knees to humble ourselves before you? Lord, if there are aspects of our own schedules that we're that we're having to, to fight and battle with. Lord, would you give us wisdom and discernment of how we can make space to study your word, to study other books, to study things, Lord, that would grow our mind, that we could love you and worship you with our entire mind. That, Lord, our minds would be transformed, renewed, that we would be able to know the good things of you, that we'd be able to discern your voice, what you've asked of us. Lord, we don't want to stay infant Christians. We don't want to stay sucking on our bottles. We want to grow, Lord. We want to grow. So, Lord, as we worship, as we, as we pray, would you move in us and through us? That we would grow. 
Help us be more disciplined, Lord, we pray. Help us be more disciplined. In Jesus' name, amen. 